Welcome back to Agent Investor, inspiring stories of active agents investing in real estate and building passive income. In a business where potential deals are all around you, why not leverage your skills to invest for yourself, your family, and your future? And now, let's jump into the latest episode of Agent Investor. All right, these are all highly paid actors right here. What you want to learn in your business, what systems you want to talk about. And um, we got a ton of really good ideas from everybody that's here right now. Uh, too many ideas, not enough time. Um, I wish I could go into every one of these different systems. Um, I actually thought we would have a lot more overlap than we did. We had a lot of different variety of things that people are here to learn about. We obviously got a lot of people that are just interested in systems overall. Um, so I do want to talk about kind of like why we even need systems, why they're important, what they are. I mean, they're definitely a buzzword for sure. Um, people talk about systems, but I think a lot of times people don't even know what that necessarily means. If you guys have ever been, who here has been to a McDonald's? And McDonald's is kind of like the quintessential company where people talk about systems, but all real businesses have systems. A system allows for the same exact output every single time. That's pretty much like the, the definition of what a system is. And no matter what McDonald's you go to, whether you go to Austin, Texas, Topeka, Kansas, Los Angeles, California, if you go to the window and you say you want you know, a Big Mac with fries, it's going to taste 99% the same. It's going to come out at almost the same exact time. Um, and that's because of system. And if you think about it like this, right, the difference between having systems and just having like a small solo business, like if I said to all of you guys, make a hamburger and fries, we'd have 50 different hamburgers and 50 different set of, sets of fries, right? And Leo might take like 15 minutes to make a burger. I may take a half an hour. Somebody else might take 10 minutes. And the other thing about McDonald's just as a system is, would you guys say that they have like really, really highly skilled employees or lesser skilled employees? Lesser skilled. So the amazing part about having systems is that you don't need a genius running them. That's the whole purpose of having a system is that like, we call it like the lowest common denominator can do it. But it's not the actual person necessarily. It's the system that has to be that good. Right. So the person, whoever is working a system, whether it's like you, me or somebody that you hire, like they need to know exactly the process they need, they need to go through, like a checklist. And a lot of times as agents and as entrepreneurs, we go through our business doing things different every single time. Do you guys have the same exact process for your open house that you follow each and every time? Some of you might. Who here does? Right. So you understand some of you don't and some of you do it different every single time. And some of you have one system in your maybe multiple systems in your business, but you have at least one system in your business that you follow each and every time. Systems aren't static. Right. So you may think that these are the 15 steps that I need to do to complete a really good open house. But that stuff always needs to be relooked at. You need to relook at every single part of the process 
at least on a quarterly basis to say, hey, am I converting? Did it run smoothly? Are people happy? Did the, did the, the property attract the amount of buyers that we need? So we need systems in our business to try to get the best results that we can every single time. And as we grow a business, have somebody else be able to follow those steps. Does that part make sense? So a lot of that is like really easier said than done. When you're a solo or a small business, you're doing a lot of things in your business, right? So you may have systems, but you have systems one day and then you don't the next day and they're being followed one day and they're not the next. So as businesses scale, you need to have somebody that's controlling and actually managing those systems. But you don't need to have a big company to start the process of actually building systems in your business. In fact, you have to start just you. Patrick and a couple other people, um, and I think uh, John, you mentioned you know going on vacation, right? And having systems versus not having systems is the difference between like whether you can actually go on vacation and things kind of go like somewhat smoothly. Or if you go on vacation and you're basically, you know, working the entire vacation. So we just got done wrapping up our five-week agent investor contest. And I have to kind of tie this in because it's important that it's all kind of combined together. So who completed that five weeks? So maybe like a third or, or half the room. So I want to just go through it really quickly just to say, like, where do systems kind of fit in? So we talked about, like, week number one was saying, where are you at? Meaning, like, where are you at financially? Where is your skill set at? Week number two was, where do you want to be 10 years from now? Because all of the stuff that we talk about today, it's not going to happen tomorrow. It's not even going to happen in a year, right? Because when we're building a business, we're putting down like bricks. We're building a house. We're putting down tiny little bricks day after day. And three months into it, we look around and somebody's got like this big mansion next to us. And we're like, we just have like 10 bricks on the ground. And we feel bad about ourselves. But the bricks, at some point, they start to add up. And it doesn't necessarily have to be like exactly 10 years, but it's not going to be two years. And it's not going to be 50 years. So it's a long-term horizon that we covered in week two. And a lot of you have probably done vision boards. I think vision boards are cool, but they miss the most important point, which is like, how much does this actually cost? Like I see people with vision boards up and there's no dollar amount attached to it. So you can't have a plan based on a vision board. You need a number. We got everybody to come to a number that they need every single month to actually get to that 10-year mark. And the numbers were all over the place because everybody wants to live a different lifestyle. Some people had 10,000 a month. Some people had 30. Some people had 50. Week number three, we talked about picking an investment vehicle. And the investment vehicles are just things like, as you're doing your 10 years, am I going to get really good at fixing and flipping or buying and holding or doing short-term rentals? Or am I going to grow out a real estate team? What's your vehicle to kind of get to that, you know, ten, twenty, thirty thousand dollars a month? Week number four, we talked about what are your top three to six priorities. Every single quarter, you need to pick like these are what I call like the bricks, and it could be a system. It, it's something in your business that you're building 
towards making your company better. And those are typically like three to six things in a quarter that you can do. And then the last thing that we did, which is definitely the most important, is what's your weekly scorecard? So if you know that you want to fix and flip you know, 10 houses a year, well, maybe you need 20 face-to-face -face seller appointments a week. And you need to measure yourself every single week against that number. So that's all well and good, right? And you could have a scorecard that says, I need to meet with 10 sellers a week, or you could have a scorecard that says, I need to raise um, $100,000 a week, or I have a scorecard, whatever the scorecard kind of says. But the systems are how you actually achieve those numbers. And forgive me for the people that didn't go through the five-week contest, but if you have a scorecard and you're not hitting your numbers every single week, it's because of the way that you're spending your time. And the way that you're spending your time should be the best process system. And that's where I said, like, the systems are not static because you may hit the nail on the head right out of the gate. You might have the 10 steps to hold the best open house to get one buyer every single open house. But you may start to look at your scorecard every week and say, hey, I'm not achieving any buyers. So do you want to keep the same exact system and process that you had? No, because you're not going to get the results that you're actually looking for on your scorecard. You need systems and you need to refine your systems kind of over and over again. There are many systems that you could work on. And this kind of goes back to like week four of the contest. Even within the list that you all gave me today, there is like 20 to 30 systems that we just thought of off the cuff. Okay. We don't have the ability to add all of these systems in like the next 90 days. Within every single system that there is, the good thing about being in real estate is that we're in an industry where somebody else has that system already built. Right. We're not trying to do anything crazy. So in the beginning, for the most part, you're the one that's going to be following the system, which is challenging. Right. Because as you're a business owner, you probably don't want to be systematized. You probably don't want to do the same things every single day. But if you don't, you won't get the output that you want. Right. You guys are laughing. Right. Because it's, it's tough. It's tough. So, so the ideal thing is like you're handing over those systems to somebody else to work. Right. Because one of the problems that we have, like when we're a very small business or even like an individual business, is we're working every single system in our business. And like you mentioned, you're, you're getting, you know, anxiety. You're having a dream that buyers are, are calling you off the wall. It's like, well, what do you do? Right. Like and, and so a lot of times in the beginning, and this is always like I always say, I'm like the most demotivational speaker you guys will ever meet. A lot of times in the beginning, the answer is you have to work more. You do, because if you're building systems and you have to do the job of being an agent and being an investor in the beginning, that's extra hours. Have you ever heard the saying, the difference between working on your business versus in your business? And, and the reason I'm asking the question, half the time is a lot. Like, I don't think I work more than half my time working on my business. So... I'd be curious to watch the people that raise their hand, to be honest with you. Um, but I asked the question for a reason, because the more time that you can spend working on your business, the more money you'll make long term. Here's the problem. Do you make money while you're working on your business that day? So when you get that call and a buyer wants to see a house, you might be getting paid 30 days later or 45 days later. 
to think through like how to best build a system, you're not getting paid on that anytime soon. So, so that's why like in the beginning, you have to just figure out like, what can you kind of get away with? Like how many hours a week can I spend working on my business without me losing, you know, money, right? Like you have to make money, right? That's, that's a reality, right? So that's where I'm going back, circling back to the point where a lot of times in the beginning, it may not be that if you have to work 40 hours a week in your agent business, it, it doesn't necessarily mean, oh, I'm taking five hours away from my agent business. It might mean that you're working 45 hours a week instead, unless you can afford those five hours off. The other thing with systems that somebody kind of mentioned, actually, I, I think it was Jackie, I think it was you again. Basically, you were talking about like going from, you know, working with buyers more towards investing. And a couple of you guys kind of said this. And the reason that you want to really do that and how that kind of produces like better results for everybody is that you always need to be thinking about like what your highest dollar per hour activity is. So buyers are kind of like an easy thing to kind of like, you know, crap on a little bit because buyers take up a whole lot of time compared to like a listing or compared to like an investment deal. So has anybody here ever done like a, a journal log of how they spend like their 40 hours in a week? The first homework assignment that I would recommend that everybody do. Now, if you are in the inner circle, this is the type of stuff that I would love to see from you guys is what are you doing during those 30, 40, 50 hours a week? Who here is using like a transaction coordinator? All right, so a very, very small percentage of the room. So my question to those of you who didn't raise your hand is, because that's a system in your business, right? Having somebody do contract to close work, that's a system, right? And that's an easy system to be like, hey, I can find somebody who specializes in it, who charges three, four, five hundred dollars a transaction or whatever they charge, and that gets you hours back. Systems gets you hours back. So my question to all of you, and I'm actually curious, like why aren't you using a transaction coordinator? And and there's a saying in this business, I say this all the time, the more you learn, the more you earn. That's why like you guys are taking time out of your business today to be here. Like you guys are gonna leave with more knowledge. That knowledge, if you implement, will make you more money. Because this is all like, why aren't we using systems in our business and, and maybe, you know, how to think about some of this stuff. So I'm going to knock out the easiest one. Like I don't have money. So on every listing we get, we charge our clients for the TC. Okay. So every single one, Jay, you do that too, right? Now you don't have to do this. We getting on like 80 to 90% of all of our listings. Um, and, and I believe that we're, the client is actually better for that. Like in reality, could I be a good TC for them? I think in theory I could, but in reality, as a business owner, am I going to, per me personally, am I going to do a good job at it? No, I'm not. So we put that in all, in all of our listings. It's standard. It's $495. We get it 80% of the time. Do we waive it sometimes? Yeah, but we get all, we basically get our TC fees paid for. So the not having a money thing is a simple one. That's And even if you do have the money, I would think about doing that. Now, I know that there's people, different people have different viewpoints on that. Obviously, whatever you charge your client is up to you, both on the commission side, whether you're going to charge them for the TC 
Just something to think about. Um, second thing is trust. Here's the reality, right? If we're going to grow a business, we have to have other people doing stuff. I know, and I think most people know in this room, that nobody's going to do as good of a job as you in your business. That's just a fact. No one's going to care as much as you. Building systems and scaling in that way, it may not be for you. It may not make sense. It depends on what your objective is. If you're looking to get like out of things, get more freedom, get more flexibility, you have to be willing to accept that somebody in your business is probably going to do like 80 to 90% as good of a job as you. Now, I would say to that also that if somebody's kind of doing, if you have somebody that's good that's doing it, there is a possibility they could even almost do a good a job as you. But if you're like providing additional benefits on top of it, the overall package could end up being better. So the trust thing is real, but yet like you can't really grow and systematize a business without that. So this is kind of like, um, I don't know if it's like a mindset thing necessarily, but it's just like, we have to think about what is important to us. Is it important to us to like do everything in our business or do we want to grow and step out of it? And that's just, again, it's a, it's a decision that you need to make. Jay said, you know, replacing it with other things. And I think this is another thing that's like inherent in the trust. It's like, well, if I systemize, systematize everything, what am I going to do? And that goes back to like, you're going to do the highest income producing activities you can, or you're going to use that to work less. And, and there's a lot of different areas like in, in the real estate agent business that you can systematize. The TC just happens to be like an easy one because it's like there are businesses that will take away that that time for you, potentially deliver better quality, and it might not even have to cost you anything. So when we're talking about like building systems, going back to have you written down like how you're spending your time, it's not even necessarily to look and say, oh, like I'm bad, I did a bad thing. How can I be more efficient with my hours, get more of my time back? and spend more time in that like 80-20 zone, right? Pareto's principle, 20% of all your efforts produce 80% of the results. It's literally a biological fact. I can guarantee if you all think about your business in the last year, 20% of all the activities you, you did got 80% of the results or very close to it. And it's about trying to spend as much time in that zone as possible. So when you're writing your log, like what are the repetitive things that you're doing over and over again that you can systematize and have other people potentially do? Or is there a way you can make what you're doing more efficient? Right? Is there a way for you to stop spending, you know, three hours on something instead of um, you know, it, instead of spending three hours, you spend one hour. Like one system I have in my business, because we go on over a hundred face-to-face seller appointments a week. Keep in mind, like I couldn't go on 100 appointments a week myself. I couldn't do it. But not only do I not, wouldn't I be able to do it, I wouldn't be able to analyze them. So I created a system in my business where I had a VA do a bunch of work to actually provide me with the data, and then I would review it. So instead of me, like I would have them, for example, like collect all of the data, give me all the source materials, do it the way I would do it, and then instead of me spending an hour on each property, I'm spending five minutes. So that's just another example. And now we actually have a full-time U.S.-based person because I wanted to not even have to do as much of the review process.
It starts with how are you spending your time, writing down how you're spending your time, writing down how you could do things more efficiently. And then eventually, again, making the decision like, can I have somebody else do any of this? Or even is, is how I'm spending my time even making you know the most sense? And again, this just goes back to like looking and saying like, what are the top three to six things that I should be focused on? They usually fall into a couple of different categories. Now, I'm, I'm switching just to talk about like investing right now. Typically, they fall into a deal finding system. Like, how am I getting high quality investment opportunities put in front of me on a weekly basis? Right. That's one. Construction systems. Right. How am I making sure for anybody that's doing any level of construction, even property management, how am I having it so that I'm spending the least amount of time possible managing and babysitting? And I know I talked to Leo the other day about how he's like he's still like running materials and doing a lot of like individual things in his business, either capital raising or money leverage systems. Right. It could be like, how do I get money for down payments? Or it could be like, how am I actually leveraging? you know, my money. There is deal analyzation systems. We talked about that. And by the way, I'm going to just tell you guys this now before I forget, because sometimes people are in the inner circle and they don't even know about this. But if you're in the inner circle and you get any type of investment deal and you want that deal analyzed for you, we do that for you for free. Like we will do that. We'll run the numbers just like, you know, it was your, it, it was our deal. Um, if you're in the inner circle and it's a quick turn deal, we do partner with people on deals like that. So keep that in mind, but you don't have to want to partner with us to have us analyze a deal for you. So uh, deal in, deal analyzation, we have appointment conversion systems, right? As I'm sure a lot of you guys do, if you think about like having a good listing presentation, we have good you know conversion systems on how we're going to answer the phone if somebody's calling to how do we prepare for the appointment to what do we actually do kind of when they're when we're in their living room and again as i'm saying these different types of systems what i want you guys to think about relating to investing is what's the biggest needle mover in your investing business like what's your biggest obstacle to getting towards that 10-year goal so we have um like property management systems and even within those systems right because I'm, I'm going through like what you guys had asked about, right? So we had, I said deal finding, right? There's a lot of different ways you can find deals. And every single one of those ways that you find deals needs to be systematized. So you said a cold calling system, right? Just high level what we should be able to produce. Number one, more appointments, right? We should be able to make more calls because we're using some sort of like software. We should be having more people pick up the phone because we're using more data. We should get more appointments because we're using good scripts. And again, all of these things, even within the cold calling is a system, right? You could have your, you could have your calling, like how do you call your calling system? You could have your um, data system. You could have your scripts, right? All of those things, even within cold calling. So again, like, What's the most important thing that you need to tackle in your business and how do you systematize it? Hey everyone, this is Tom Caffarella. I want to quickly interrupt the podcast to number one, thank all of my loyal listeners of the Agent Investor Podcast and tell you guys really quickly about an exciting event we have coming up. 
Uh, it's a two-day event. It's called the Passive Income Real Estate Investor Event. Um, but you can find out more details at PassiveIncomeEvent.com. We're going to be doing a two-day training session teaching all of the agents and all of the investors at the event on how to achieve financial freedom through real estate. If you're like me and your goal is to not work 80, 100 hours a week grinding, selling real estate, flipping homes, um, definitely check out this event. We're going to teach you how to build a passive income portfolio so that you can retire, so that you can work when you want, how you want, and ultimately achieve financial freedom. So again, go to PassiveIncomeEvent.com for more details. And we look forward to seeing you at the upcoming event. If we're talking about efficiency, how do you get from start to finish as quick as possible? Would you pick Googling, asking an expert who you know uses that type of system, or would you pick trial and error? Which makes the most sense? Now, let me tell you right now, I can guarantee and I've, I've literally coached probably hundreds of people and I've had at least a thousand agents come through this brokerage. Do you know that asking an expert actually the least common way that people find answers for things? hundred percent. You know what people do the most? Google, Google, Google's the most, right? It's actually mind boggling. And I want you guys, this, this needs to be like a mindset shift that you guys have right now. Figuring stuff out on your own is a mistake. You don't need to figure stuff out on your own. The answers are already there. Now, somebody said, ask me, right? And I think that's a good idea. However, should you just be asking one person? What you guys want as much as you possibly can is to have like some sort of board of advisors, essentially. And it, it's not like a Fortune 500 company where you're going to get these people and they're going to help you all the time. But like, I'm in three coaching systems right now. I'm in a coaching system on how to grow my podcast. I'm on a coaching system on how to raise money. And I'm in a coaching system on fixing and flipping houses, right? So I'm constantly, and even within each of those things, there's multiple people in each one of those things that I can go to for a question. So if I want to, if I want to, let's say tomorrow I had a burning desire to set up the best cold calling system, I would not just ask one person. Because I don't trust that that person is going to actually have the best system or a system I like. So I'm going to ask as many people as I can. And this is going to sound really bad, but this is the truth. I'm going to even ask people that are much lower than me on the business scale. Because there are people that just started that probably know something I don't know. Right? Um, Nancy, you said something about like new, right? There's always new stuff coming out. Sometimes people who have the best new stuff isn't the person who's been in business for 20 years. So when it comes to building systems, trial and error is definitely part of it. But you don't want to start trial and error. You want to start doing your research, asking people who have the results that you want, figuring out what plan you're going to actually put in place. Use that system. Look at that system a quarter later if it's not getting you the results that, it, that you want on your scorecard. All right, so I want to tackle... Um, some of the questions on what we want to learn. So I talked about the fact that like we don't have time to do all the systems today. Is everybody here aware of the, the two-day systems training that we're doing in April? If you're not, it's completely free. We even buy you lunch. Um, it's April 12th and 13th, I think. 
It's at the Crown Plaza Hotel in Woburn. Um, and you can register for free for that event at www.agentinvestorevent.com. So what we're going to be doing is we're going to actually go system by system in our business and go through the step-by-step processes. So obviously, within each one of these questions that you guys had today, we can't do that because it's just not enough time in a 90-minute in a window. We are going to have two full days in Woburn to do that. So if you aren't registered, please get registered. Um, we can only fit 250 people there. Can't fit any more. So once we get to 250, we have to like close the registration. But with that being said, I want to tackle some of the stuff that you guys kind of talked about today. So people answering and responding. There's a couple of kind of things that I would think about. And you're getting those leads from somebody else. So I don't want to go to speak too out of, out of tune here, but I'm going to just say like most effective, most efficient, like things to think about. If you have a lot of phone numbers, FUB is a one-line dialer. FUB is good. I use FUB. Um, my ISAs use FUB for newer leads. If they're older leads, the ideal thing to use is a three-line dialer, like a mojo dialer. And literally, like you're, you're having a problem with people picking up. That's the most common thing in the world because guess what? Who answers their phone now if they see a phone number they don't recognize? Besides Kim, probably nobody. Most people don't pick up, right? So the only way to beat that is to just make more calls. How do you make more calls? That's an example of like using technology to make more calls and you'll definitely get more pickups. The second thing I would think about, and it's not really related to cold calling, is just SMS systems. Because while most people don't pick up the phone, we all look at our text messages every day. Almost nobody leaves unread text messages. They just don't. And the people who do are like outliers. So we know everybody reads text. Another tool that I use within that is called call action. What call action does is like you put them on a plan and it will continue to text the person until they reply. As soon as they reply, you get a response to your cell phone that basically says like, hey, somebody replied and now you get into a real conversation with them. So like, for example, in FUB, like you can send text messages in FUB, but that prevents you from even needing to send one text message because the text messages don't stop until they either opt out. If they opt out, call action automatically like removes them or if they actually respond. So that's like a way, like what I just told you probably would get you double the results of what you're, the way you're doing it now. So that's an example of using systems, right? Keeping systems going, um, super hard, yeah. super freaking hard in the beginning. So you have to start with, you have to start with yourself and you said expensive, which is another like key word. Um, what I would look at now, and this may not be right, but can you do any of the work with the VA? Can a VA do 10 hours a week of your work, both combined? If that's true and they're $5 an hour, that's 200 bucks a week to get you 10 hours back of your time. So you're, you're paying 20 an hour, in theory, to do 100 to $200 an hour work. Does everybody get that concept? Like you're paying at a, I mean, this is just how businesses run. You're paying at a lower level, but your time is worth more. So you're trying to get, you're pushing your work to the lowest common denominator so that, and VAs are a good example of that, push the work down at four or $5 an hour. Now you're doing work at a hundred or 200 or $300 an hour. 
So I think for you guys to start, I think doing that exercise is going to be helpful. It may make you want to cry, but that's okay because I'll enjoy that. <laughs> Automation tools, we talked about um, a couple. Call action, um, well, I guess Mojo is not really, uh, I don't know, it's, it's software. Um, software can be used a lot, and, and it can be really helpful. I do get concerned about the word automation. Like, I'm very... Um, I'm getting very worked up about the chat GPT thing, like really worked up about how people think that's going to like change their life. Usually technology isn't going to really automations aren't going to necessarily get you there fully. Like they're kind of like an add on that maybe can maybe increase efficiency here and there. But I think the thought like when I hear automation, I think of things like the four hour work week. I think of things that actually aren't like real life. And people are sold the idea of like my life is automated and it's it's not possible, um, especially like in a person to person business like we're in, automation can actually hurt you. I mean, I get that feedback all the time about some of my automations that I have that people don't love them. Um, so I would be careful about this, and I would also be cautious about like how much this can actually move the needle. And I'm very automation based, but like there's too sometimes there's like too much. So again, I would I wouldn't look and say, "Oh, ChatGPT, how can I use it?" No, I would go the opposite way and say, "Here are my 50 hours a week. Is there anything within my work that can be automated?" Like, "Oh, yeah, ChatGPT can like, you know, create a a, a listing description for you." That's awesome. It saved you like 1 hour every other week. Or like maybe not even cuz you probably reviewed it and it was probably horrible. So I'd be careful about this one. Lead gen systems are huge. They're obviously huge, but they're also the most simplistic. They're very, very simple. Every lead gen system pretty much that's out there, like we've used, we have, I would say for the most part, I'm an expert in most of them. They're usually not that complicated. They're either like you're spending your time or your money. Spending your money efficiently is very easy. Um, unfortunately, you have to have money to spend in order to do that. Right. Well, on the investing side, if we're talking about generating seller appointments, you know, it'll cost you almost a thousand dollars per appointment. So when you're talking about lead gen systems, you have to pick between am I going to spend money or am I going to spend time? If you're going to spend your own time, then you have to figure out, like, what system are you going to actually kill? Like, what system are you going to get really good at, master, and then potentially be able to transition to somebody else? So. I know lead gen is a huge thing. For example, like, I mean, you're not going to try to generate like buyer leads for investing, right? Um, so the, the one overlap that I will say is like, I like using a cash offer call to action even for sellers because it's going to get the most amount of response. So for the systems, right? I mean, I could, I could almost like draw them like all out, right? So if you just say like buyer side lead generation, you have open houses, which are a limiting thing, right? You have um, referral sources. Like there's all these referral companies that you guys can sign up for and sometimes even get both buyer and seller leads, like UpNest, UpCity. Then there's the online leads, like Facebook and Google Pay-Per-Click, where somebody's basically opting in to see a home or opting in to getting on a search. 
you need like a ton of those leads to be able to convert and you need to be on the phone all the time in order to convert. Um, those are the ones that are typically, if you start Googling stuff, that's what you're going to stumble into because there's a lot of companies selling those leads. What most people don't realize is they're hard to convert. They take a lot of time, effort, and energy. What I, what I would do if I was generating buy, what I like, I like to teach. So I would do like home buyer seminars. I like to get people in a room like this face-to-face. They can see you, figure out if they like you, um, provide value. Um, that'd be another way. And then, of course, SOI is always going to be your number one because people already know, like, and trust you, right? So once somebody are, if you generate a Facebook lead, they don't even know if they know, like, and trust you. So you have to get them to that point. So that's why it's so much harder to convert. But that's, that's retail buyers, basically. And I don't think I missed anything. Door knocking for buyers would be tough. Um, I mean, you could. You could go around knock. I just don't think it would be that effective. Yeah, you'd be walking through. <laughs> <honest. laughs> yeah. yeah, you could. You can, you can tar- people target apartment complexes and stuff like that. It's not that you can't do it. I just don't. So this is the other thing. Like, I talk to a million people every single week about what they're doing. And that's what I would recommend that you guys do too. Talking about like the board of advisors that you have, like, are you guys a part of like other Facebook groups? Like, are you in lab code agents? Are you in shift pivot? Like with KW, like there's a lot of really good Facebook groups. If you ask me a question, cool. That's great. Are you asking three or four people the same question to see what you get for a response? Like one that I I thought was really cool for lead generation was people creating these like community groups and using those as like a lead gen tool, like, you know, a Wakefield mass community page. And those are very easy to grow and to kind of provide value in. And if you guys like signed up for my Facebook group, you'll see like there's three membership questions. And one of them is basically like, Hey, do you want to learn more about like working with? And it can be the same thing. So I don't mean to go into because each one of these would be an hour discussion, but that's the buyer side. And then the seller side, the things that there's not that many things that work for investing. Um, broker relationships are huge. Like you guys are all agents. You all know a ton of agents. Most agents don't invest. So I've had deals brought to me. In fact, like Kim, I'm thinking about a deal you brought to me from another Keller Williams agent, right? So here's an agent good agent, has this investment opportunity, didn't know what to do with it. So agents are like, can be your best allies. Even though you guys are agents, it doesn't mean you can't get deals from other agents. That's a completely free way to get deals. And then of course, cold texting works, cold calling works, pay-per-click works, Facebook ads work, mailers work. And I wouldn't recommend this, but we've done a lot of TV recently. And that works, but it's usually too expensive for most people. So for the seller side, the call to action of basically like, let me make an offer on your home is going to attract more people than, hey, I'm an agent. Let me do a CMA on your house. Why is that? I don't want to pay a commission. Process seems longer. Would you guys say everybody knows an agent? This is the problem, right? You send a, let me do an, let me, let me do a CMA on your house. And they go, oh, that's nice that Kim sent me this postcard. But Sally, who I barely know, is another agent I know. 
So if I'm going to work with anyone, I'm going to work with Sally, even though like I don't even really want to work with Sally. And if I met Kim, I would pick her. But because I have Sally in my head, I'm not even going to meet with Kim. Does that make sense? So when you say like I have an offer for you, go, oh, I know Sally, but Sally can't give me an offer. Now you're in the door. So his question, which is a really good one, is like, how do you know any campaign is effective? The answer is you use a different phone number for each one. You have to use a different phone number. So we we look at what we spend and we look at what phone number did it come from. And you can track different mailing campaigns that way. You can track any sort of campaign with a different phone number. And you can get, you know, very cheap, you know, Google Voice or, or whatever phone numbers. But I will say the more you market, the tougher this becomes. Because like we'll get a call from a mailer and they'll be like, we saw you on TV. So the more... It is harder the more campaigns you have running, but I think the problem is there's a saturation point where like more doesn't necessarily translate into more leads. I think the more that they see you, the better, but like there's a point where spending more doesn't make sense. If I saw you on TV and then I opened your mailer and then I got a text from you and then a call from you, it's like you probably only needed one of those to get through to them, but you have like five. So I don't like to like pull data immediately. You need to see signs quickly that something is even like doing anything. But like, I guess I don't look at ROI until later. Like if I'm doing a mailing campaign and I don't even get a call, then I'm like, okay, that didn't work. But if I got a call and it was a bad lead, then I'm like, well, it generated the activity I wanted, even though I couldn't close it or it was a bad lead, doesn't matter. So all of those things, though, by the way, like the campaigns, they all have different like ebbs and flows to them. Like if I'm cold calling and I don't get anybody on the phone for an entire week, I'm not going to wait out six months to be like, oh, it'll eventually work. Because if you didn't get one person on the phone in a whole week, that's telling you you're doing something wrong. Delegating is really hard. We talked about the trust issue, um, which is a huge one. And um, nobody's going to do it as good as you. So delegating is definitely hard. Nobody's perfect at it. Most people, it's like they're trialing and erroring a lot. And that's part of the process. So this goes back to like the 10-year like outcome that you want. Like if something's that important to you, then you have to be willing to like fall down multiple times and try something and it doesn't work and try it and it doesn't work. And delegating is one of these things where you don't want to like get ready to get ready for like five years. Because you don't even know how to do it. It's like riding a bike. If you don't start delegating something, like you're not going to get good at it by not doing it. You're only going to get good at it by like trying it. And the delegation could be as simple. And that's why I mentioned the TC thing. It could be as simple as hiring a TC, seeing how a small itty bitty thing gets delegated. How do you handle it? Does it get you more time back? What other things that are on this board that I can't read? Did we not cover and that you guys want to make sure we hit on today before we have the April more deep dive on this stuff? So the first thing I'd always look for is like, is there a tool that already exists? And sometimes there's not like um, we we built out. So not to get too in the weeds on this conversation, but we use a program called Smart Sheets. And this is like much higher level than what most of you need to be at right now. But what happens in Smartsheets is like our processes go from like point A to point B 
and everybody that's involved in the processy in the process gets notified and has a task and it doesn't move to the next person until that process is done. Okay. So it's a workflow like tool. We had to build that all out. But having said that, what we did was we actually hired somebody to do the build out, the tech work. We designed how we thought it would work. I would start by saying like, is there a tool out there that already exists that I don't need to spend time on? Second thing is, okay, can I design it and then have somebody else do it, assuming it's not like a crazy cost? Definitely education, but then the question is like, well, how do you do that? So there's a few things that I would do. I mean, it's no different actually than what I do, but it would be a different, a tiny sliver different of a niche. What a lot of people do is they're on bigger pockets like all day long. And bigger pockets is huge because every almost everybody, this is like a crazy statement, but like almost everybody who invests or wants to invest is on bigger pockets. So bigger pockets has the bigger pockets platform. Then they also have two big Facebook groups and providing value and answering questions in those type of forums is big. Again, I go back to like, what do I think is the easiest way to do education? And it's having a Facebook group. It's having a podcast. It's having, um, in-person events. And even if those in-person events are five people, like you're going to convert at a higher rate once they're in person. So there's an infinite amount of people that want to invest. Like, I mean, everybody wants to invest. So finding those people isn't that hard, but like creating the database and like making sure people are showing up and niching down, I think is important because I was just doing just investing. And that's fine, but there is a million people just doing investing. So like for you, I know you're doing like short-term rentals. Like the more you can niche down, I think the better it's going to like come off to somebody like you're an expert in that specific category. So a few things on this, and I'm not saying you're doing this, but the biggest mistake you can ever make is by being like, hey, I've never successfully cold called or lead genned or done this. I'm going to hire somebody else to do it. If you don't know how to do it and you don't have a system for how to do it, you darn sure aren't getting anybody else to do it. I've made that mistake a hundred times. Like, oh, I don't want to do this. So guess what? I'll hire somebody to do it. And then they have no idea what to do. And you're like, oh, well, geez, I just thought about it. I never did it either. So now we have two people that have no idea what to do. <laughs> now, I'm not saying you you did that or you're doing that. I'm only mentioning it because it's common amongst like cold calling and like, Things that are kind of like uncomfortable things to do, you're like, wouldn't it be great if I just hired somebody else to do it? So my, my first thing, going back to like the systems, you, if you don't know how many calls they can make in a day, how many appointments they can set in a day, and then you have them doing it, and they're like, I made 50 calls and like nobody picked up. You're going to be like, oh, okay, that sounds great. Versus like, I've been doing this for the last three months. I make 400 calls a day, no problem. And I always get at least six people to pick up and one person to book a call. That's a completely different conversation. And that goes to like handling objections and what are you saying and what list are you calling? So if you're going to do that, my first step would be understanding enough to get a predictable result and then to have somebody else do it. Now, when you're ready to do that, you talked about like you want somebody in the U.S., which is good, but I have something that's better because you definitely like 
people calling that are in other countries are challenging for a lot of reasons. But we hire people um, that used to live in the United States that live in Mexico now. That's an interesting niche because if you've lived in California or you've lived in Texas for five years and now you're in Mexico, you're just as good as an American just because they live in Mexico now. And, and those rates can be lower, which is important. So we, we post ads on Indeed. And we use a program. This is where like the automations come in. Like there are automations. Like I don't want to knock automations because we use them. I just don't want to say automations just save us a little bit of time. So we post on Indeed and we use a program called Spark Hire. And what Spark Hire does is when somebody applies for our job, it sends them an email saying, hey, the next step is to do a one-way interview. And a one-way interview is like we give them a list of five questions. They answer them. We watch the video. Um, and then we determine whether or not we want to like take the next step. And that's just our filtering process. You see them, you see them. I mean, to me, like I'm a very virtual person. Like I don't need to be able to shake somebody's hand to tell like, if I like them, like if I see a video, I see somebody, I'm good. You mentioned the inner circle and this is a good segue to talk about that for like three minutes. So if you guys came here today and you felt like you got value and you feel like having me help you more would be advantageous. We do have a program called the inner circle. And I'm going to mention this pretty briefly because I know none of you here came to get pitched. Uh, at the same time, I do know for a lot of you, this is going to make sense. Not all of you, but some of you, it will make sense. So there's a few major benefits that you get out of being in the inner circle. So you guys saw the type of content I can deliver on in an hour right? I can guarantee I saw some of you guys taking notes. That's awesome. The reality is, is when you actually go to implement some of these stuff, what's going to happen? Well, I don't know if you're going to fail, but I can, you may fail, you may not fail, but I can guarantee you're going to have more questions. I can guarantee you go, you're going to go, oh, he told me that what software, how do you use that? So there's more, right? And the purpose of the inner circle is you get 24 seven, 365 access to me through email and through Facebook messenger. Um, I know for people that are in the inner circle, you guys know, I respond back immediately. Um, I'm here to help. I want to help you guys grow your businesses, businesses. That's the number one benefit. The second benefit is that we partner with people in the inner circle. If you want, if you find a good off market deal, and you want to partner with us, we'll put up the money, we'll, we'll do the construction, and we'll do a profit split with you. Um, we have helped agents, like we helped one agent make $150,000 last year through that system. They found a deal, deal happened to make $300,000, we split it, we both make six figures on the deal. That's not a common result, but even if that result is 50,000, it's usually a lot more money than you would make traditionally. The third thing is we do a monthly coaching call. So it's really good to have like whatever we have, 30, 40 people in the room right now. You get to ask one question. In the inner circle call, there's way less people. So you get more individualized attention. Um, another benefit of being in the inner circle, we talked about these systems. We have all these systems. We have videos on these systems. We have documentation on this stuff. You guys get access to that on day one. There's actually more stuff in the inner circle, but I'm going to stop there. 
the biggest thing I would say, and I mentioned this in the beginning, you want to have people that are where you want to be in your, in your circle, literally in your circle. They don't have to be your best friend, but you know, simple, simple question you asked me on how to make more calls, be more efficient. That could one and a half times the same exact time that you spent. That's what you're looking for. Shortcuts. So there's three ways to get into the inner circle. Um, two of them are, there's no coaching fee at all. We do have an option where we charge a $10,000 one-time lifetime coaching fee. That's the most expensive way to get in. The second way to get in is to join the brokerage. Um, Cameron's a great brokerage. Um, we have every tool that every other brokerage has. We have better financials. We have something called a disappearing cap. We just announced this last week. You start out here with a 20K cap. Every year that goes on, that cap gets reduced by 2K. Um, the reason I'm doing that is two reasons. First, I want to reward the people who are loyal. I freaking hate brokerage hopping. Literally freaking hate it. And from, from all brokerages, not people leaving here, but just the, 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 the idea that people go somewhere every single year, it like drives me bananas. So I want to reward the people who are here. And I also believe that the longer you're here, like the less help we need to give you. That's just a fact. Like somebody signs on for one year and it's like, you know, as a company, you don't make money because you got to help them do this and that and this and that. And they have questions. When somebody's here for like three or four years, not only do you need to help them less, but they're an advocate for your company. We get the most recruits to Cameron from agents that have been here for four or five years that believe in the company and that refer us people. So they become an asset as time goes on. And then um, the other thing that we just announced is um, we're doing a profit tree, which any person that you recruit into Cameron, you get 20% of their GCI because we have a $20,000 cap. If they cap, you would get paid $4,000. Let's say every single year they capped, which some people do, some people don't, you get paid $4,000 per year. If they half cap, you get $2,000. And you get paid that 20% when they get paid. So if they make $10,000, you're going to get $2,000. The age, we actually add uh, 10000 to your cap. <laughs> yeah. When you're here, we, we like people like five or six years, but when they get too long, um, it goes the opposite way. So the low, the low watermark is 6000 because we can't actually like lose a ton of money. We might actually be losing money at 6000 That's like borderline, but... It, it will go like the, the lowest it can go is 6,000. And then the, the third way to get into the inner circle is to invest $50,000 or more into one of our apartment deals. They typically yield between 15 and 20% rate of return. Those are good for people who have money just sitting in a bank account or in an IRA that aren't going to do anything with it. And the typical person invests, you know, a hundred to 200,000 and our minimum is 50,000. If you are interested in joining the inner circle, the person to reach out to, you can always go to me, but Chris would be the best person to talk to. If you guys don't have his contact information, you know, feel free to kind of reach out. Thank you guys for tuning in. We'll be back again next Tuesday at 11. Thanks again for listening to the Agent Investor Podcast. And especially thank you for sharing the show with other agents and reviewing the show on iTunes. 
Every time you share the show and leave a review, you are potentially changing someone's life. To get free weekly education, strategies, and to connect with other agent investors across the country, join our free Facebook group at agentinvestor.com. Again, that's agentinvestor.com.